0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Hope you had a good weekend. We're recording here on Sunday night, and there was a lot of Bengals content out there on Friday. The Bengals' Orange and Black Outsider did a bunch of podcasts. Matt Minnick did a really cool podcast that I listened to today. He spent over an hour talking to former Green Bay head of analytics, Mike Ayers, and they talked about what goes into building a draft board and how it's this matrix and he talked. The, the most interesting thing to me, actually, was he talked about how picking at the top of a day is a huge advantage for that team. Because he talks about, in the real world, these teams reset their board, reanalyze it, and they sit with it for that whole night. And then they figure out, you know what, we want to go get this guy. And so picking near the top of the day, so round four, round two is a big advantage for those teams at that position if they
2: want to trade back. And the Bengals like to trade back in the second round. Yeah, we could see that happening, right? I would imagine having 16 hours to look at the board and discuss with everyone in the boardroom rather than having 10 minutes gives you a little bit of clarity and a little bit of bouncing ideas between each other to get the right guy and the right choice.
3: And speaking of trading back, something that has been asked of us in our mailbags in the past on Twitter pretty frequently is, what would it take for you to trade back out of number one overall, trade out of Joe Burrow? What would it do? And so Joe and I went through a little thought experiment, went through the Draft Network's premium mock draft simulator, and we traded back with the Dolphins. We picked up all three of their first round picks only one of their second round picks. So in the real world, I think we would both hope for one future pick or maybe both the second round picks. Uh, but but the, the simulator uses the draft grid. So that's what we're working with. And we're going to talk a little bit about what this scenario might look like. So Joe, we've traded back in this scenario using the draft networks simulator to number five, which means we've picked up Two other first-round picks for a total of three. One extra second-round pick in this scenario. And we found that it really opened things up. But let's start from the top and go through it. So obviously, if you're trading back, you're still targeting your quarterback. Joe, what's that scenario look like for the Bengals with the risk that
2: Tua might go three? And there's still questions with Tua, right? We should get a good sense this week on his medicals as the combine is this week and really this is the last time we'll do a mock draft before we have the combine information which is really going to shake it up a little bit but stay on the scenario going back to number five is that risky is another team going to move up and get Tua at three or four uh, are you okay with taking Justin Herbert in this scenario if Tua is gone and I think that's where things get a little bit dicey because in a trade back scenario if I don't end up with Tua it's all for naught, right? I don't want to end up with Justin Herbert or even the next quarterback with a later pick because we have to have one. Uh, I think taking Tua, if he's healthy, is more than fine. If you would have asked me in November, I would have been perfectly on Tua at number one. I think it would still be a conversation if he was perfectly healthy. He's not, so that goes into the evaluation. And is that the discount and the compensation you get for a guy who is had multiple injuries and is currently injured to take that quarterback at number five and collect these other picks. And Daniel Jeremiah talked about this on
3: the Rich Eisen show this week, the risk that you don't get the quarterback of your choosing at five. He says that if he were the Bengals in this hypothetical scenario, where you knew Joe Burrow didn't want to play for you, which again is a total nonsense scenario that doesn't have any foundation in the real world. He says that he wouldn't go past three any trade for him, any move back would go to three. And that gets really complicated, right? Because if Miami wants to move up to three, then they have to give up some of their capital. And if they want to get from three to one, how much do they have left to make that move? Regardless, in this scenario, we're saying we get our quarterback at five and then things really open up at 18. In this particular instance of the mock draft simulator, we get Andrew Thomas. And you're feeling much better immediately about your offensive line. And if this Bengals coaching staff is stubborn about Bobby Hart, Thomas can play inside for a year if he needs to. And he's going to improve your offensive line immediately. And with Jonah Williams coming back, that's a huge shot in the arm for the Bengals in the trenches.
2: Yeah, I think Andrew Thomas compares actually pretty well to Jonah Williams last year. I think the Bengals took Williams. We felt like he was falling to 11, but I think 10 to 20 was probably his range anyways. And that's where we get Thomas here with the 18th pick. It gives you a left guard, left tackle grouping this year that comes in. Maybe it kind of has rookies, however you want to look at it but it really is a boost there. And then coming back at 26, because that's the other pick you got from Miami, I really love this corner, Jeff Gladney out of TCU. I think he is a press outside corner that can play in man, but his ball skills are A+. Plus. His competitiveness is A+. Plus. In contested situations, there is no better corner in this draft, including Jeffrey Okuda. So I think getting him at 26 gives you your defensive piece that they really need, and somewhere in with a premium pick this year, whether that's at number 33 or possibly trading back into the second round somehow with the with the Dolphins pick that we got here at 56, you need to get more defensive help for the
3: Bengals. And now you feel good about some foundational pieces that you've added. You've got Andrew Thomas to go with your quarterback, in this case, Tua to Tunga-Viola. You've got a corner who can be a foundational piece for you going forward. This is a guy Joe's really high on, and you have a good track record on corners. Then at the top of the second round, you have the flexibility here to say, you know what? I don't need to reach for anything. I can take the best player available. And in this case, it's another TCU guy, interior defensive lineman Ross Blacklock, bring some juice there where they have an aging Geno Atkins and they need some help. And by doing this, we can go three defensive players in a row here with the pick we've picked up from Miami in the second round, and get Malik Harrison. And now you've addressed all three levels of your defense. You've addressed your offensive line and your quarterback. Now you can really go BPA for the rest of the draft. At the top of round three, you can take the best receiver available or whatever. At the top of round four, we end up with Jeremy Chin, the the top safety we have available. So you can really see how the trade back could facilitate opening things up. But at the beginning, we talked about the massive risk you take by passing on Joe Burrow at number one and
2: all the things that can go wrong by giving up that control. So to recap, the risk paid off. We were allowed to get Tua Tungvaloa at number five. Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle guard, probably early for us. Maybe he kicks in the right tackle in the future. At 18, Jeff Gladney at corner at 26. Bye-bye, Drake Kirkpatrick. Ross Blacklock, interior defensive lineman at 33. Malik Harrison at 56 at linebacker. So three straight defensive picks. We get Denzel Mims at 65. Ooh, Jake and I are lockstep on that one. We think Denzel Mims is a fantastic outside receiver. And then at 97, which is the top of the fourth round, Jeremy Chin at safety. He's a big safety. He can come down and help you play some linebacker and do some uh, versatile stuff on the backside. That is a lot of premium picks at all levels of the offense and defense. you got to love the idea of coming away with that many players uh, for a roster that really could use it. And if you believe in Tua,
3: this actually sounds great. But how do you believe in Tua without having seen his medicals with the hip? Like, this is a extremely rare injury. And he's already not the most athletic guy. He's quick twitch. He's a quick mover, but he's not the most athletic guy. He's not as athletic as Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. And with the hip injury that he's had, you really question how that's going to impact long-term mobility for him and so they're taking a big risk even if you get him there but man this is essentially what Miami gets to do and look at all the players they could add
2: and I saw a video on Twitter where Tua was talking to a reporter and said which team would you like to go to what would be your uh, ideal scenario and he said the Dallas Cowboys that's who he grew up and he also added at the end that he would like to be able to sit for a year if possible and heal up completely. So that's the other thing about taking Tua is is very aware of his situation and you have to be comfortable with probably having another poor season, or do you hold on to Andy Dalton and forfeit, whatever that third or fourth round pick may be just to have that year of stability with Dalton at quarterback. I think they still get rid of Dalton in this scenario and probably just go with a Ryan Finley or some journeyman veteran uh, quarterback. But that, what, what does that mean? Again, we're going through a very long and tough season watching the Bengals play. And I think we're all ready to have some fun. Also, let's
3: just avoid Lee Steinberg clients. I think that we, mm. as Bengals fans, have learned that lesson. And, and, I mean, he, let's just not get into it. We're going to get <laughs> into a regular mock draft Monday. You get double content this week. You get to double dip on the mock drafts. And we'll get into a mock draft without trading out of the first pick in just a minute.
2: Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com. And get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E dot Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go. Not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles.
3: Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training.
2: It's Mock Draft Monday, and like Jake said in the opening, we have another Mock Draft. We're going to do our normal, talk you through each pick as we did one before trading back, and we did that off air and then recapped it. This is going to be going through the process, and we're on the Draft Network. We've got the premium Mock Draft machine access, and of course, we took Joe Burrow at number one. We've kind of been skipping right over that. Not, not much analysis, really, to talk about. But here's what we're doing differently this time. Because now we can trade with the premium access on the draft network. We paused it at pick 20. So we took, we've took we taken Joe Burrow at one. We paused it at 20 because that's a third-round compensation if we are interested in moving up. Let's say there's a linebacker still there or offensive lineman, whatever you, whatever tickles you, Jake. But I'm saying, as we sit here, and it is currently paused, just by looking over it really quickly, I think a couple of our targets already are off the board.
3: Yeah, there's a big run on offensive tackles in this version of the Mock Draft Simulator on Mock Draft Monday. You see Jedrick Quills, Mekhi Beckton, Tristan Wirfs go four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas goes 10. Josh Jones goes 15. I've seen Josh Jones in the middle of the second round before so there's some pretty big variance on some of these names but looking at who's available at 20 you're talking about trading up for most likely a linebacker in Patrick Queen the other guys that you might consider here if you fall in love with Christian Fulton or CJ Henderson the cornerbacks you're maybe considering them as well and do any of those move the needle enough for you to give up your third round
2: pick I don't know the way it's been trending, right, we end up in the third round. That's where we're targeting a linebacker. We don't seem to get the right guy at 33. So this is my thought here. Is is it worth the eventual linebacker pick anyway to give up basically your second rounder to go get the correct guy? And for me, that means it would have to be a premium position. And I'm still not sure linebacker is that, right? We're going from is it the least – valuable position on defense last year to okay maybe we undervalued it but we're not there yet I'm not ready to give up a a premium pick to go move up and get a linebacker it'd have to be somebody like AJ Epinesa the defensive end edge guy from Iowa and I'm not sure we need an edge guy I'd like to have one if he's still there at 33 but I'm not moving up to get him
3: yeah maybe if it's a guy that we think is a blue
2: chipper like Javon
3: Kinlaw is still there Sure. Then you maybe get a little bit more tempted. Maybe maybe Andrew Thomas, the guy we just picked in our pre-show first segment trade back scenario. Then you consider it a little bit more. But we may have come away from linebackers the least valuable position on defense, maybe temporarily, because I'm right back there. Right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced anymore. The like, the more I think about it, the more it's just the, the linebackers. They weren't good for the last eight games of the year, but who cares? They they weren't that bad. It wasn't like the first eight games where nobody, they were running around with ch- like chickens without a head. Anyway, I think we're passing here. Let's take one more look at another place you could stop where maybe you give up a fourth round pick closer to the end of the first round. And this is actually going to be right ahead of the Baltimore Ravens. If the Bengals were to trade their second and fourth round picks, that gets you just ahead of the Ravens on the trade chart if the team there is cooperative. So let's see who's available at this spot.
2: So we paused it again. Now we're at pick 27. This is a Seahawks pick. It's right before the Baltimore Ravens at 28. This would cost a fourth rounder to move up. And Patrick Queen is still available. Is Patrick Queen the guy we want to move up and get? I would. If the Bengals did this, I'd be like, great, we got this athletic linebacker. Let's go and go ahead with it. Grant Delpit's still on the board. Kenneth Murray's still on the board. Jeff Gladney, corner from TCU, who I really like, still there. Zach Bond is still there. I mean, once I start getting the five guys that I would draft, I kind of back away and say, one of them's got to be there. You look at the the, the teams that are still remaining to pick, uh, maybe Baltimore takes linebacker, fine. Uh, maybe Green Bay takes one. Maybe the, the Chiefs take one. And then you end up with no linebacker at 33. That's the scenario. But that would take, I mean, that's a very acute outlook at what could happen.
3: I think that there's a real chance that that happens, though, especially with Green Bay potentially losing Blake Martinez. Baltimore has a dire need for linebacker. And the Chiefs are going to need young defensive players because they've invested so much in their offense. And they're going to have a hard time keeping Chris Jones. So I I could definitely see them going offense. If Yetra Gross Matos hadn't just been selected by the Dolphins here, I would feel a lot better about letting Baltimore pick. And then I think they would probably go with the edge guy. And they might still. There's Terrell Lewis or Zach Bond that would probably be good fits for the Ravens. But so too would be Patrick Queen. And so by not trading to the 27th pick here, I think we're almost assuring that Patrick
2: Queen is a Baltimore Raven. Hmm. Yeah. And we've done this before, haven't we? I mean, in, in some ways by letting uh, Devin Bush and, and other picks happen and letting Frank Ragnow go to the lions, just because we like the next guy. I mean, at some point you go get your guy, right? And that's something else that Matt Minnick talked about uh, in that origin black
3: insider episode that I thought was interesting. You're in the draft to acquire players. So you think about what you're giving up. You think about what we've seen in the fourth round. So in the fourth round we just did, we were looking at safeties. There were a lot of guys that we'd like, but you're not getting an edge rusher at the top of day two that you like very much. You're not going to necessarily get that premium player. On the other hand, if we truly believe that the value of linebacker is not that high, then you're not considering this, right? You're going to take whatever corner gets to you between... Gladney or Damon Arnett or whoever you like mm-hmm. Cameron Dansler, you, you name a guy that is your cornerback of choice corners great at the top of this draft you're hoping that Grant Delpit falls you're hoping that Neville Gallimore falls right and mm-hmm. so that's more where I am if you want to talk me out of a linebacker here it is because you don't believe in the positional value of premium linebacker picks and that's all you have to do to sell me so I'm, I'm happy to let it run here what about you?
2: I'm happy to let it run. I think if I can count to five guys that I would draft currently on the board and be happy with, this isn't a situation where I'm settling. I'd be happy with five guys that are on the board. So this is Joe and I for different reasons coming to
3: the same conclusion that we do not trade up even for giving up just a fourth-round pick to get ahead of the Ravens. So we're going to let it run, and we're going to see what happens here. So Seattle goes Justin Jefferson. Baltimore goes Neville Gallimore. So we're still going to get our guy. We actually still get a linebacker here if we want to. So Joe having five guys that he still likes. So off the board goes Justin Jefferson, Neville Gallimore, Terrell Lewis, Jalen Rager, Lloyd Cushionberry, Jonathan Taylor, who I can't actually imagine the Chiefs taking at the bottom of the first round. As I just talked about, I think they have an acute need on the defensive side of the ball. But now we can choose. Do we want to go linebacker or do we want to go for a position that we think has higher value? And we'll talk about that in just a minute.
1: This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season
2: at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Top of round two, and Jake, I'm excited right now. We haven't gotten into this situation yet. I don't think we have since we've started the since No, I should say we haven't gotten in this situation since Patrick Queen's stock has started to rise up, right? Because when we first started this, because he was a one-year starter and a junior underclassman, everyone was a little slow on getting to him and getting to his tape. That's just natural. Uh, Now he's seen as maybe could go as high as 15 to as late as 33, right? This is probably the scenario here. And he's still on the board. I think the only question we have at this point is, do we take Patrick Queen at linebacker, or do we consider Grant Delpit at safety just because, On this board, and probably on our boards too, it may even be a toss-up actually when we finalize a board, Delpit is probably the BPA here. Do we bypass two or three spots on the remaining board for the position of, of, of glaring need with Patrick Queen? There would be some sort of irony there. You miss on Devin Bush last
3: year, you instead get a player that has value suiting the pick a little bit more with an offensive tackle. And now you bypass... Well, so this is the thing. You you would bypass Jeff Gladney, who's available. You, would, you wouldn't you would take Trayvon Diggs if you want to press zone corner. You wouldn't take Damon Arnett, who's recently been coming up boards as the, quote, other Ohio State cornerback. Or PFF favorites, Cameron Dansler, A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson. All mm-hmm. those guys are really effective corner prospects. Those guys almost certainly will be gone by the time you pick again. That means you're looking later at... You know, your your Bryce Halls, your Troy Prides. you are hoping for Troy Pride if you want a corner later. But there's a really good argument to be made for all these secondary positions to be more valuable than a linebacker. And then you think, okay, if I do want a linebacker, maybe I want Zach Bond because he's a flexible piece who's going to pass. Who's going to rush the passer a little bit better. He's going to have some pass rush moves to his game, some refinement in that area. So if you want to send him as a blitzer or put his hand down on third downs, you can. And you have that versatility. And that's something that, again, to talk about Matt Minnick for the third time of this show, he's pointed out that Lou Narumo likes to do. I think there's a really strong argument for Patrick Queen here, but I've just outlined a whole bunch of
2: reasons that you might not go that direction too. And they're all fair reasons. And the other one is Kenneth Murray. I know a lot of people like him. I would have him behind Patrick Queen. I think Queen is more physical. I think he's a better tackler. I think he's a better downhill guy. Despite, uh, maybe, uh, we'll, we'll get the testing this week, but I think he might come in a little bit smaller than Murray. Yeah. Uh, but I do like Queen Overall, and I think he's the type of linebacker we've wanted. Our value of linebacker, maybe our perception is a little bit skewed because the Bengals have had such shit linebackers and guys that can't cover and can't run. We're like, well, you know, what does this guy even do if if they're not making plays? I think Queen is the kind of the guy they've been looking for for a long time, uh, and he would go great with with Jermaine Pratt, man. Think of the two athletic guys you'd have there at your linebacker unit. I think he'd cheer it up and give you something to be happy about in the middle of your defense.
3: And it's interesting that you say you think he's better going downhill than Kenneth Murray, because if there's anywhere that I would think Murray would be better, it's a playing the ball in front of him, because he was generally used in those short zones as a spy, as a yeah. blitzer. And you see, you see some of that from Patrick Queen, too, but you see more man from Queen, you see more deep zone from Queen if you turn on their tape, which means that's actually kind of rare, right? This is something that we questioned last year with Devin Bush, too, is you don't get to see him deep very often Michigan didn't use him that way but then he was fine in that role so maybe you can just be fine in it but do we just go Patrick Queen here to have an instance of saying you know what we've we've got
2: Patrick Queen in this scenario let's see how it plays out I'd love to take Queen because we haven't gotten the scenario and because I like him and to clarify I think Queen dealt with blockers more than Murray did and so I think he you know because of SEC stuff and wide open you know Oklahoma it, it I just think he's much more adept to it and should hit the NFL at a level higher than Murray.
3: And he has good length. He does a really good job of avoiding blockers. And that's something that we talked about last year when we were looking at linebackers. So let's go, Queen. We're not talking about trading back this time. We We have enough guys here that we like that we're not talking about trading back this time, which I find interesting because previously in this spot we've been very interested in trading back so let's just keep an eye on things as we move through the second round here to see if there's anybody we want to move up for as it plays out and so far i gotta say i i don't see it happening i feel like at the top of the third we're going to be very happy with our
2: options and if you look what happened right after we picked everybody we discussed went i mean bing 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 you couldn't have traded back more than three spots you would have missed out on the linebackers Zach Bond uh, was the latest of the group we talked about to go. And I I believe even he went uh, 42. So we could have gone back nine spots. But everyone, Antoine Winfield uh, Jr., we've drafted him. Uh, Jeff Gladney we've drafted. Grant Delpit we've drafted. And other mocks not live on, on this show. But Kenneth Murray lost Blacklock. It's Man, it was a murderer's row right there. We took the guy and it started the run.
3: Yeah, I mean, all these guys are players that you'd be interested in. Even Lucas Niang. I think mm-hmm. is the guy that you would consider if you traded back in the second round. One of these offensive line prospects, Ashton Davis, a guy we haven't drafted yet, but you can talk about very similarly to Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities in those two players, but you, you get to the top of the third round. Now we've missed out on some of those edge guys. We just missed on Josh Ucci. So let's reset and say, maybe this is where we trade back or
2: maybe this is where we go BPA. So we're at the top of round three, and I think we came into this now that we had a linebacker, finally at 33, so we don't have to look at that position. We're kind of a little bit free here to say, okay, do we come and try and go to premium positions like corner? And Troy Pride is the guy we both like out of Notre Dame. Um, we were ready to, to make that the pick and explain that to you guys. But then we go, okay, wait, who's at the top of the board? It's T. Higgins, wide receiver of Clemson. How could this happen, right? Maybe he runs a 4-5 or, or something and gets – Knocked down on a crowded receiver class. And really, when we looked at the receivers, not a lot have gone yet. And maybe that's teams waiting because of the depth at the receiver position. But all in all, it's the top of round three. I don't think that's crazy when we were seeing like DK Metcalf last year as a first round, second round guy, ends up going in the third round to the Seahawks. So maybe T. Higgins is that guy this year. He's just 21 years old, super productive for his age. Um, he'll be 21 his entire rookie year. Adam with Add him with a Joe Burrow on offense. I really like that pairing. I wouldn't be mad with him at 33. I just don't like the idea of taking a receiver there, but getting that guy in round three, I'm all for it. Yeah, there's a point where the value makes
3: you do a thing, where the player is too good. He's too high on your board, even in a class that's stacked at receiver. And this is doing what the Bengals haven't done. And it's taking the talented player at a stack, like historically stacked position group, yeah, and actually pulling the trigger on a guy who's fallen. The other thing here is, and this happened to me earlier. J.K. Dobbins is sitting there, at 22 in the third round. I'm starting to consider that.
2: You're not because, no, I I'm shaking. I'm shaking my head like um, I can't believe he's still there because exactly. I think J.K. Dobbins is really really good and I think he's going to be a better receiving back in the NFL than even what he was used at times at Ohio State. I uh, just just seeing him in open space. I think he's going to be dynamite there as long as he can get his uh, fumbling under control. And sometimes he had a few drops, so work on his hands. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And the only thing is, I do think Mixon gets extended. It's kind of yeah. There, are, if it was me, I yeah, I I would draft J K. Dobbins or Clyde Edwards Alaire when I get here in the third round because I think both are going to be really really good. Uh, but I'm trying to work under what the Bengals do, I don't think it's an option.
3: So let's go T Higgins here, right? And this is taking a wide receiver, mostly over a corner. I think there could be some consideration for other positions at this point. And the Bengals yeah. certainly will be considering a number of things here. But for us, looking at the top of this board, I mean, who else really makes an argument? I, I would be the only reason I wouldn't take T Higgins is if I wanted to move back 10 spots and try to still get uh, Denzel Mims sure. or
2: Bradley and I.
3: Yeah. But T. But, Higgins, man, I mean, this is a guy that earlier I said, if T. Higgins is there at the top of round two, I, you would have to talk me out of it. So you're, you're gonna not going to be able to talk me out of it at the top of round three. And that's a pick.
2: One note, Malik Harrison, linebacker, the next guy, if you will, the guy we've kind of targeted sometimes in round three. If we didn't take a linebacker at the top of round two, would maybe have been the pick here. Uh, He ends up going just a couple picks later, pick 69, a very nice pick by the Carolina Panthers. So that's, yeah, that's right in the range. Um, Just wanted to put that out there because if we want to retrospectively go back and just look at that pick at 33 and say, well, you could have went Jeff Gladney, you could have went whoever. So, so let's play that game
3: real quick. We're going to do one more pick here. We're going to do our fourth round pick, but let's play that game really quickly. So say you wanted to go with that more premium wide receiver. Say you go receiver, instead of Patrick Queen at 33. And you say, I'll take whatever linebackers left in the third round.
2: Sure. Then, or Grant Delpit and, and Gladney, I think are working that scenario. Also, you get a safety or a corner.
3: Totally. And, and I just wanted to talk about the positions we've picked because I think that it, ah, it would probably I be, it, it, I think that if it, if it wasn't such a dire need at linebacker, I wouldn't even consider the, the linebacker there. And I would, I would take my top corner and, and go to the bank. But, The two wide receivers that go in the second round of this mock are KJ Hamler and Brandon Ayuk. Only two. Only two, which is not going to happen. I feel like I can say that with certainty. If you want to make a bet with me that there will be more than two receivers drafted in the second round, I will gladly take your money. KJ Hamler is a guy that is probably a more exciting prospect in some ways than T. Higgins is, but... We pulled up his play, player profiler, and he was just incredibly productive at Clemson. He's young. It's just, I, I feel like we've gotten great value here with these picks, even though we went linebacker at the top of the second round. So now we're on the clock in the fourth round, and maybe at this point we're looking back at that secondary, although I'm not seeing anything at corner, so we must have missed on Troy Pride at some point. We did not.
2: He's right there. You're overlooking him number 94. No. On our board. So if we were considering him in round three, I think we're coming back. We've got extreme value at all four picks. Only saying extreme value for Patrick Queen because we haven't had the opportunity to draft him at 33. And coming back and getting Higgins, who I think is is really good, and then Troy Pride in round four premium position, a guy who I think is going to be a starter in this league, uh, that balances out the pick of a linebacker at 33.
3: Yeah, that gets really easy, right? Now we've addressed two levels of the defense that needed help in the secondary and the linebacker level. You've given your quarterback a young wide receiver that you can play the next 10 years with, much the way we saw Andy Dalton and A.J. Green come into the league together. And you're pretty happy
2: with those four picks. And Jake, I'm looking at this fourth round. We take Troy Pride. There was a couple other guys there that we could have considered. That's really where getting that fourth round pick for Andy Dalton comes into play. We haven't taken an offensive lineman. We do this every week and constantly. As it sits right now, we've got the combine to shake things up, but the linemen seem to go in between their first and second pick, and then in between their second and third pick. And it's like you end up getting in these spots where you're either going to reach for one or hope and pray that an upgrade presents itself. And I just don't think it's happening so far for them. And the way we keep drafting, it's just not, they, they've got to go into free agency. They've got to get a pick for Dalton to help secure one of those picks. And maybe even you, you can reach a little bit and get an offensive lineman. Or you got to go into free agency and you got to sign one.
3: Yeah, if they could pick up a pick for Andy Dalton, then you feel good about trading up at some point, right? Maybe you trade up and you grab your offensive lineman at some point in the third round or the fourth. I don't know. But getting something back. For Andy Dalton, maybe they can find a trade partner for Cordy Glenn, although it seems mm. to be presumed that he will be released. If if they can get something for either of those guys, fourth fifth rounders, that gives you the ammunition that they they I think pretty badly need in this draft. Yeah. To just I mean we we've drafted four positions of need, and according to the mock draft machine, we still have five positions of need to hit. They're not wrong. Uh, And and how do you do all that in the draft? You can't. Yeah. So unless they add a bunch of picks and we talked about the trade back scenario and, and they give up on their quarterback or wait for next year for their quarterback, which neither of those seem remotely likely they need to go into free agency to put this thing together and get competitive right away. But this has been a different episode of mock draft Monday. We've talked about the trading scenarios a little bit more. That's been a lot of fun. I think. Hope you've enjoyed it. For the rest of the week, we've got a special guest coming on tomorrow that we are very excited for you to listen to. And we've got some free agents to talk about. We've got to finish that up with the Western Divisions. And then we'll put together our final top list of Bengals free agents and then the Combines here. So busy week coming up. It's February. We have plenty to talk about. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.